Live from Chicago, this is Bruce Dumont with our Beyond the Beltway analysis of national politics, featuring occasional injections of rumor and innuendo all offered up by our panel of political insiders, pundits, power brokers, public servants, professors, and most importantly, plain-speaking Americans from coast to coast. Tonight, featuring commentary by Democrat Alexandra Eidenberg, Republican Nick Kahn, Democrat Michael Lieber, and Republican Mike Miller. Our program tonight, company found base at the Museum of Broadcast Communications, the Radio Hall of Fame uh, Studios, Paul and Angel Harvey Studios, and it's nice to have you with us this evening. We've got a full, if we've ever had a full two hours, tonight's the night. We're also going to have a report uh, shortly after the next hour. Uh, we're going to be talking with John Nichols, who will be reporting from New Hampshire, and he'll give us an update on what's happening in that very important state. But I want to begin uh, by talking about one of the things. Uh, there literally was something significant that happened every day uh, last week, including last Sunday, but we're going to talk. We're going to take. We're going to go from Friday backwards uh, as I, as we go through the week. And uh, Nick, Com, I want to turn to you on Friday. Um, the president uh, he ousted uh, Mr. Colonel Vindman and the Ambassador Sondland. They lost their jobs, and the twin brother of Mr. Vindman, or Colonel Vindman, lost his job as well. Do you think that was the right way for the president to celebrate his acquittal? Of course. I mean, a president, any president, whether it's Obama, Bush, <clears> Trump, <throat> whoever it is, is totally entitled to have whoever he or she wants in their inner circle. No question. But again, is there a way that he could have done it without the spotlight of uh, no, the heat lamp at no, that well, moment? That, that's not okay. how Trump rolls. And again, part of it as well is these folks who clearly viewed him, Trump, as being disloyal to the United States, why were they still in the jobs? Why did they continue to serve in those roles? And Vindman, all of this tempest in a teapot, He's still in the U.S. Army. He's just been reassigned. He's back to the Pentagon. He's just no longer on the National Security Mike Council. Mike Lieber, your response? You're a Democrat. I actually tend to agree with Nick. Obviously, it's pretty much impossible to have a subordinate who is you know, in the White House, who is clearly essentially adversarial to the president, I think rightly so, but presidents need a team around them who are going to be um, supportive, you know, certainly Call, you know, try to enlighten them and provide them the information they need. But I think just from a human, uh, you know, uh, human relations and a, a human resources HR standpoint, it's it's a, a little tough. And he's be, been reassigned, and I think it's probably better for Mike everybody. Miller, what do you think? Absolutely. I mean, could, could he have done this on Tuesday night when everybody was talking about the or the New Hampshire primary? He could have. I think waiting a few days was a good idea. And the other thing, I, I had a friend of mine who's a Republican. He's concerned about the way it was done, that it was done so publicly. One thing we don't know is what was happening behind the scenes. Was Vindman really just being this upstanding soldier, or was something going on? And I'd really like to know, mm. maybe the reason he was walked out the way he was and it was given the press that it was, was because maybe things were really bad. Maybe he was behaving badly. I don't know that. We don't know. But I, and, and the media and, wouldn't necessarily report that. No, they, they probably... They have lionized him. Uh, yeah, and it's just like getting rid of an ambassador. It happens all the time. We have to remember the day that uh, Mr. Obama was elected president, essentially, he said, I want every single ambassador out of your job on the 20th of January. Every, no, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Were they doing a good job, a bad job? Oh. He fired every one of them, which he absolutely had to write. Alexander, uh, are you going to... Uh, 
fill us out that everybody agrees on this point? So, you know, I think that for me, the acquittal itself was such a bummer. Um, I think in perfect form, uh, Trump, per usual, likes to do public firings. I think that it's part of his style, so I'm not shocked. I do think it would have been appropriate to wait and not draw attention to it. As a Democrat, we knew, we, you know, we saw that happening. I mean, we, we knew that the Senate was going to go that direction. I was actually surprised where Mitt Romney went in general, but um, I think that... You know, for us, um, the the firings wasn't what that was not what was happening. The larger issue at hand was that he just got acquitted, and so that really made the news for me more so. I want to come. I want to come back to Mitt Romney a little bit later on, but I, I want to switch gears. I want to. I want to move off the president right now and head to what was happening in Friday. Friday night in New Hampshire, ABC uh, had a three-hour debate, which is an awful long time for a debate. Mm. Uh, and I got to Alexander. You have said to me that uh, you you have not singled in on one particular candidate yet. There's a few that you'd like to write off at the moment. We'll get to that in a moment. But uh, as you watched that debate or watched the reaction to that debate, uh, is there anyone that stood out Friday night to you personally? Sure. So uh, first of all, I was all in for Kamala. So not seeing my candidate on stage any longer makes it harder to watch. And so I think that we all watch with through a lens well, to watch a candidate. Having said um, that, we're so, still going to ask for your opinion. Yeah, so <laughs> thank you. Um, and so in this particular one, um, really eyes on Amy. Um, I am for me as a moderate Democrat, I'm watching her very closely, watching Biden closely. Um, but I think that Amy continues to deliver in her statements and she did it again. Um, and I resonate with her. I, and not that I'm, you know, looking for only a woman, but I really like her and I'm watching her closely. Uh, Mike uh, Lieber, you are uh, supporting a Pete Buttigieg more than just as a spokesman on the air. You, you are literally active involved in the fundraising campaign, uh, for mayor Pete. Uh, I assume you're going to tell me you thought that Pete hit it out of the park, but do you really believe that? Uh, I do believe that. And and as a caveat, I'm simply volu- doing some volunteer work for the campaign, so I'm not speaking on behalf of the campaign. I understand that. I speak- but you are raising money for him. Uh, I'm doing a whole bunch of things. I was walking around my uh, neighborhood uh, in the Chicago suburbs getting petitions signed for him, knocking on doors in Las Vegas and Iowa and uh, uh, okay. New Hampshire on Tuesday. I thought he But did- you're not you're not talking to any of the billionaires. Uh, I don't know any billionaires. No, no, no. Oh, yes, have, you do. Uh, you know the governor of Illinois. I was going to say, I know one. I actually, you know JB. I, I think, don't know the governor of no, Illinois. I've met him one time okay. at an event. I thought I Dave Lundy would have had you over for dinner with no, him. No, no, no. I don't, I don't <clears throat> roll with those kinds of crowds. Okay. I'm, I'm a beer guy, not a wine guy. Okay. Um, I, thought, I, thought, I thought a lot of people at the debate did very well. Obviously, I'm all in for Pete for a number of reasons. Mo- most importantly, his politics match mine. I also happen to think he's the most electable of the Democrats. Um, I thought I thought Amy did very nicely. Um, I thought, you know, Bernie did nicely, but he has a, as people have said, a very high, uh, a high floor and a low ceiling. Um, I think Biden is, you know, in tough shape. And I know we'll talk about it more in the next mm-hmm. hour. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, and, and Warren, uh, I, I didn't think Warren did all that well. I want to go to uh, Nick. Nick, you you are professionally, uh, you deal with reputations. You try to improve them uh, when they need improvement. When you look at that uh, field, so you you assess people and mm-hmm. and the the uh, you you can handicap it well. Look across the aisle and be a political analyst mm-hmm. and give us uh, the pros and cons of what you saw. 
Well, I mean, I think, look, Biden, I think to Mike's point, is <clears throat> it, it is just he's just a matter of time before the guy completely goes off he the He wasn't rails. horrible, though, was he? He wasn't horrible, but I think his staff, I don't know if they took a breath in three hours watching him. I don't know if they do ever when he makes a public appearance anymore. So I think there's no question in my mind he is not going to get the nomination, I think, for sure. I think it's now down to Pete and Mayor Bloomberg, who was not on that stage. I did think Amy did a very nice job. I thought, you know, the couple of the minor candidates, uh, Steyer and Yang, did okay as well. Um, but I do think it's really going to come. Steyer came to play. Yeah, he, he did, but they're not going anywhere. I think Amy made a pretty good run. I think she acquitted herself quite well. Um, I just she want has... to say something about Steyer, because nobody ever talks about Steyer after the debate, because they talk about the major players. But if you look at real clear politics, I mean, he's number two in South Carolina and uh, number three, I believe, in in Nevada. So he's pouring a lot of a lot of money. The only, I want to get everybody's just, reaction. But, but, I want to get. We haven't even heard from Professor oh, Miller yet. Yeah, but, but Miller, yeah. Professor, yeah. we've got a pause for a commercial Absolutely. break, and then we'll be back. I'm Bruce Dumont from Coast to Coast and Border to Border, standing by America for Mike Miller of DePaul University. from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Stay tuned. Rock on TV. Artifacts from the Jackson 5, Sonny and Cher, Elvis, Cindy Lauper, ZZ Top, Eric Clapton, and more. Now at the Museum of Broadcast Communications, 360 North State Street, Chicago. From Bandstand to Gaga, let's rock on TV. For info and tickets, visit museum.tv. You have the right to know. The right to know about culture, the right to know about the economy, the right to know about technology and to know about sports. You have the right to know about education and politics and the weather. You have the right to know what's happening abroad and in your backyard. But above all else, you have the right to know that this right is under attack and we must work to protect it because in order to be free, we must be informed. Understand the threats. ProtectPressFreedom.org. Bruce Dumont back in Chicago, and before we send it to Mike Miller, uh, Nick Calm, you wanted to make a quick comment. Absolutely. Well, so the debate was noteworthy in the following. The political media, which I'm normally very critical of, did an excellent job of asking tough questions. They did. And only one candidate, I think, was truly answering the questions, though, and that was Bernie Sanders. Mike? Okay, Mike. Oh, I'm being a Republican, I don't have a dog in that particular fight, except I look at it and I, I figure that any one of them currently has no chance of moving a far enough to the center that they're going to beat uh, to beat Trump. I, I think maybe Na- uh, uh, Klobuchar. She is uh, she is one. She's a bright woman. She has some baggage, some personal baggage, and so forth. But but uh, she would be the one, and I don't think she's going to win. Uh, I think when people find out that we have a, a socialist running, that everybody else is quite far left, that they want things we can't afford, they want to take away certain rights. I I just. I, I you said that good. you think that Pete Buttigieg, Mike, is the most electable on that stage. Why? For a couple of reasons. Number one, if you look at the results in Iowa, he is the kind of moderate uh, centrist who was able to flip, who, to, to win the vast majority of the counties in Iowa that were Obama, Obama, Trump. He was the one who won almost all of those. Number two, he's just the most electable because if you look over the last 60 years at Democrats who get nominated and actually win, it's never somebody who's run for president before. 
It's never somebody who's marinated in Washington for 10 or 20 or 40 years. It's never somebody who is kind of the institutional standard bearer. It's somebody who's fresh and young and who is outside of Washington and who has a unity message. And that's him. That's fresh. Him well, I'm going to add something. Good job. Fresh, young, and straight. And I want to let, let's, let's deal with the issue of sure. whether or not in a broad election where everybody can vote, is his personal sex life, his choices in life, and he makes a very strong, I think a very appealing case about it when he talks about it and talks about his husband, is America ready to elect a gay president? And let me just say this. From having knocked on doors in Iowa and Nevada so far, uh, I've never had somebody who said, I can't vote for him because he's gay. I've had a couple of people say... What about that woman in Iowa? I mean, yeah, she, well, she didn't well, even know that he was gay. Where, yeah. Where's she been? Well, Under a rock? And, and, Under and, a rock. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> a low information voter, frankly. Um, I, I, I've never had anybody say, I can't vote for him because he's gay. I have had a couple of people say, I like him a lot, but I'm not sure if America is ready for a gay man. Here's what I can say. A lot of us felt that way in 2008. We didn't know if America was ready for a black president. My parents didn't know in 1960 if the United States was ready for a Roman Catholic president. The United States is ready for a lot more than I think Alexandra, we give it credit, Alex, credit for. Question to Alexandra. I want to get your reaction, but I want to ask the question. Sure. Is America ready to elect a gay president before they elect a woman president? Ooh, great that's, question. Because uh, that's the question before the Democrats at the moment. So, first of all, Pete is just not my guy. And I think the one thing I like about him that, is that he is gay. Because a lot of the other things <laughs> he has going on, I'm just not a fan of his. Why are you not um, a fan? So, I'm very concerned. I, I'm, I'm watching very closely on what people of color are doing. What it, where is the black vote? And I don't think he can pull that vote. And I think it's really critical for the win. I think we need suburban white women. And I think that we need we need black folks to vote. And I don't think that Pete can pull that. By the way, to I've, been, I've, I've been told, I've been told by a Republican, Republican, who is a frequent guest on this program, that a lot of Republican women living in suburbia, they like Big Buddha Judge. And I think some do, and I think some like all the candidates. Um, so I run an organization called We Will, which stands for Women Empowering Women in Local Legislation. And anytime there's a debate, we live chat it on our Facebook group. There's about 5,000 women in the group. And so I get a nice, diverse kind of thought on what's going on. Uh, I pray we're ready for a woman, and I think that we are. Um, I think that we were not ready. If, if that's your goal, and that's the mission of your organization. It's why, not the mission of our organization well, okay, to but, get but, women elected, but, 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 but it my is question to get women is, involved. Why did you not knock it out of the park for Amy Klobuchar when I asked you who you were for earlier? As I noted, I'm still burnt that Kamala is not on the stage, and I well, think that— Well, I know, that but you got to— She's in the rearview mirror. I, she is in the rearview mirror, <laughs> but I'm allowed to feel burnt about it and you feel can. sad. You did. You felt uh, the burn for and her. So I felt oh, it, let it go. I'm sad. I understand. I'm, so did, I, so, did I, so rightfully. Um, and as I said. <laughs> You know, as I'm watching their candidates, I'm very closely watching where Biden's going. I think he keeps damaging himself. It's difficult to watch. And my eyes are on Amy, and I'm looking at her, but not because she's a woman. I think that she has a great platform, and I think we need a moderate Democrat to win, and that's what we need right Here, now. Nick, here's a the question thing. to you before you answer. A question to you. Why, in your opinion, has Amy Klobuchar not 
uh, jumped out of this field so far? I don't think it's because she's a woman. I really don't. I don't think that's really what it is. I don't think it's that the America isn't ready for a woman to be uh, the presidential candidate. But back to what Mike was talking about earlier in terms of electability and Pete being a moderate. Um, he's moderate as far as where the whole Democratic Party has shifted in the past few years. I don't know. I don't know honestly the answer to your question about whether the fact that he's gay is going to keep him from getting either the nomination or winning the election. But what is going to do that, I think, is his consistent position on decriminalizing all drug possession, eliminating the electoral college, other positions that are completely at odds with what mainstream moderate independents in America want. I think that's the bigger issue more than anything else. Mike, what do you think of that? Well, I think if you look at most of his positions, he's not only where most Democrats are, he's where most independents and Republicans are. Eliminating the Electoral College? Uh, Decriminalizing uh, heroin possession? We'll we'll, we'll get to that in a second, because those aren't two of his focuses. His biggest focus is... They're on his website. They're on his website. There are about 100 different things on his website. His biggest focuses are things like getting people a higher wage, uh, tackling tackling climate change. How's he going to get a uh, higher wage? Uh, well, first of all, we could raise the national minimum ah, wage. Yes. Okay, so he's so, going to start controlling prices. Good. Uh, right, Good. kind of like <laughs> Trump has controlled the prices by, uh, I guess, buying into socialism by giving subsidies to giant about? agribusness companies. For Anyhow, so you know, we're talking. You know, we're talking about where most Take people are. People want sensible gun control. People want uh, the vast majority of people want that. They want uh, uh, raising the minimum wage. They want uh, things like uh, action Mike, Mike on climate change. So this is this is where this is where the American public are. Yeah, I. Do you know what the right number is? Does Pete <clears> have a number? Is it ten dollars an hour? Twenty five? I think 16, it's starting with, starting with fifteen. Oh, starting with fifteen. What about all those people who said it was eleven and twelve and thirteen? How come they're wrong now? How do you re- you'd have no idea what the minimum wage should be, right? So, so the minimum wage all it will do is take people with no skills who want to get those skills and push them out of the market. How can somebody uh, go work for somebody and say I have no skills, I'm in high school, I want to I want to start getting a job, but I'm really only worth about $12 an hour, which I would take if you would offer it to me. But you're going to say, "Oh no, you have to have 15." Preposterous. So we no, should. There so is we not should. A single study in the economic literature that shows that the minimum wage does good. So are there you are for eliminating it, the minimum wage? If I had my way, of course I would. Well, there yes. you go. Well, what's so that? I, what do you mean? Where? Where do you? Where does so that here's mean? Here's the thing that I, I don't understand. What that means. Mike, you noted earlier the word socialism, and I think this is where the Democratic Party is going to get themselves into trouble. And I'm watching it trending and. Part of the reason why people like Pete is he doesn't usually go with that word, but the things you described, and I would like to say I support pay equity, I I support raising the minimum wage, but as we get into the conversation, the word turns to socialism, that's where Democrats are going to fail. That word turns people off. It doesn't matter. You know, when you're talking to moderate Democrats, you mentioned socialism, and they're out. You talk to Republicans, they definitely don't want socialism. So if the Democratic Party has a chance, we can't go with a socialist candidate or someone who's Amy was on the only one the other night that That's raised right. her hand when yes. she thought that was going to be I think a Biden belatedly yeah. Biden, Biden had said it, and Biden said it very strongly, I thought. Mm-hmm. But there's not a single study that shows that the minimum wage does good. And it is a terribly blunt instrument in trying to raise the incomes of people. You know that almost a, a vast majority of the people in the minimum wage are people who are, who are 16 or 20 years old. They're not people that have three kids. 
If you want to do something well, about more, wages more and, and more I mean, they if you want to do something are, about or, poverty, do something like the earned income tax credit. That that is a perfectly sound tax policy. Oh, taxes are so But you know, have, you have now. some you have the son of somebody from Kenilworth and they if they go in to get a job, they get the same minimum wage as somebody who comes from a poor family. That's a preposterous way to try to deal with poverty. And why would you take use a, a, pub, a public policy to push people out of the chance of making a go in labor. Well, unfortunately, you're not where the vast majority of Americans are. But the vast majority they might be wrong, but what we're at, what what we were just talking about is whether he is far out of the mainstream. He's not. The the Democratic Party isn't. Most Americans mm. aren't because most Americans believe in a higher minimum but wage. Just, but, but you may be right on a philosophical or economic standpoint, do but you politically think, but you're but wrong. But Mike, Mike you let me ask you, you let me ask a follow-up to you, Mike. Do you believe, as you said the other night, uh, 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 Pete Buttigieg said uh, that he would not have done what President Trump did in going after Sulami oh. and assassinating him, okay? He said he wouldn't have done that. Do you think that's the majoritarian position in the United States? Actually, he didn't quite say that. He said it would depend on the uh, intelligence that was provided to me because Come he has that's, that's he, the cop-out of that's, every candidate that's running that's for office. But, but he, he clearly came across as a guy, frankly, he came across as a weak Democrat on the issues of foreign policy and going after g- bad guys. Absolutely and my question not. is, do you think that's the majoritarian position in the country? Yes, because most people don't feel no. safer because this guy was dead. Everybody agrees that the Kidding? guy was... Oh, I don't everybody know. I'll, I'll bet you if you took do. a survey on that, I bet you we'd be close to 80 percentile in people that said, blow the guy's head off. Well, why I really we, believe that. Why don't, we ask the 30, to... why don't we ask the 30 or 40 American soldiers who are recovering right now from traumatic brain injury who are certainly not safer because of Trump's actions. You, this isn't chess. When this you enter the military, there checkers. are risks, okay? Right. I'm not, I'm not downplaying is... that. And by the way, I think the president was wrong in downplaying it. I do believe that. What I'm saying is that when you are in the military, you run the risk of having of having injuries all the time, including when, because of bad decisions, well, bad though. decisions well, by your president. The, the question is, if oh. you ask whether that was a bad decision or not, I believe the American people overwhelmingly would support and have supported the president on that particular point. Vectro. The economy is not working for everybody especially those in jobs where unscrupulous businesses keep wages lower by hiring millions of illegal workers. Those businesses could use the government's e-verify system to prevent illegal hiring, but they refuse. What's best for the country? Let businesses continue to hire illegal workers or require e-verify, raise wages, and recruit left-behind Americans? See what voters want at eVerifyWorks.com. Paid for by Numbers USA, because numbers... Every year, millions of Americans use opioids to manage pain. And reliance on opioids has led to the worst drug crisis in American history. That's why the CDC recommends safer alternatives, like physical therapy, to manage pain. Physical therapists treat pain through movement, hands-on care, and patient education. No warning labels required. When it comes to your health, you have a choice. Choose physical therapy. Visit MoveForwardPT.com to find a physical therapist in your area. Bruce Dumont back in Chicago. Thanks very much for joining us. We now get to that point in our program where everybody looks forward to each of our four guests introducing themselves. And we begin tonight with Nick Calm. Thank you, Bruce. I'm Nick Calm. I'm the founder and president of Reputation Partners, a strategic communications firm based here in the Midwest. And we deal with organizational and executive reputation. Michael Lieber. 
Thanks, Bruce. I'm Mike Lieber. I live here in the Chicago area, and I'm the founder of the Lieber Law Group, which focuses on commercial litigation, business disputes, along with employment law, and helping businesses as they start up from nothing and grow to something big. The pride of the Blue Demons, Mike Miller. Oh, yeah. They can't win anymore. But, yes, I'm a a macroeconomist at DePaul University. I'm in my 40th year uh, on the faculty. And what I do, I think that is more important than anything else I do is teach. Teach students the economic way of thinking. Alexandra Eidenberg. Thanks for having me. Alexandra Eidenberg. I run an insurance practice called The Insurance People, where I do all your favorite boring stuff. My personal specialty is health insurance. And when I'm not doing that, I run a nonprofit called We Will, which stands for Women Empowering Women in Local Legislation. And that's where I get to do all things nerdy and politics. Let's go to the other huge story this past week, and that is the president was acquitted by the U.S. Senate. Um, Should the Republican leadership and President Trump Leave Mitt Romney alone, Nick Com. Should they or will they? They should. They won't. Um, He's going to be punished for his disloyalty uh, for sure. Certainly Trump is going to do it in whatever way he can, and it's going to hurt the people of Utah, unfortunately, and Mike Lee, who's a staunch supporter of his, and I think Mitch McConnell will as well. Did the Democrats make a big mistake by going the impeachment route, Alexandra? You know, I, I think impeachment was it was inevitable. Um, everything that Trump has done, uh, the, it needed to go this way. Um, as it pertains to Mitt Romney, I watched an interview with Rachel Maddow right afterwards with Schumer on it. And he said, do you think Mitt Romney is going to start caucusing with Democrats? And I thought that <laughs> it, it was laughable. Um, and, you know, Mitt does not, you know, share values with the Democratic Party on many levels. Uh, but to think this was, you know, offensible enough that he would now caucus with Democrats, I thought was a noteworthy worthy uh, kind of joke. And thank you. (laughs) Mike Miller? Oh, I was just, uh, you mentioned everything he has done to date is the reason he should be impeached. That's not what the point of impeachment is. That's why so many of us think that this was such a farce. You have to commit a high crime or a misdemeanor used in the old-fashioned meaning of the word misdemeanor and and bribery and treason. He didn't do any of these things. In fact, I think it was the last time I was on with uh, Coco a couple of weeks ago, it was the big push for bribery. That was that weekend. Everybody was Mm -hmm. absolutely convinced there is bribery here. And that came and went just like everything else came and went. I I think the the Democrats have made a mistake both in terms of what it will do to their uh, their push to get power in, in November, and I think that they have ruined a perfectly fine instrument, the impeachment, to be used to remove people who truly do things which are Did the Democrats blow it, Mike, politically, on the big picture? I don't think so. Uh, Before we get to politically, just from a uh, standpoint of right and wrong, my feeling is that the president behaved absolutely shamefully, and his actions absolutely rose to the level of high crimes and misdemeanors, and it was the right thing to do. And generally, from a political standpoint, when you do the right thing— it works out. So even though he was acquitted, and this was supposedly his best week ever, it's like, hey, I didn't get convicted of triple murder. This is my best. You know, if, if that's your bar, no, they it's a pretty have, low bar. They should have censured him is what they should, they should have done. Have, if they had gone censured, for censure, sure. they would have gotten yeah. every Democrat and probably a number of Republicans that might have been close to that two-thirds majority that's needed for impeachment, which they don't even need for censure. Are you worried I, that, it, that this is going to embolden him, uh, Nick? I mean, given, given the uh, press conference in the East Room, uh, in which I, th- I thought the president went overboard. I, I think, you know, th- there's something gracious about being a gracious winner 
Yeah, he was not a That's gracious not how winner. He, rolls. He, didn't, he didn't demonstrate <laughs> that he was going to be a gracious winner. I think if he wants to take a slap at Mitt Romney, he can do it. Just don't do it over and over again. I don't think it's going to embolden him. I really don't. But I, I think he's actually going to be a bit more careful now because I think it truly wounded him that they went to the point of actually impeaching him. I think the whole impeached forever has gotten to him. He is... He's do putting believe, on a. Do you believe that, Mike? He's putting on a brave face with holding up all the acquitted headlines. But you can tell when they ever they interview him about the impeachment process, it has wounded him for sure. I, so I, I think he's going to be more careful. I, I really would do. never behave. I hope the way that he behaves. But having put that in and staying that, um, what if Bruce, from the very first day that you were going to do something? Another group of people were after you, and they said they're going to get you, and they're going to do anything they can to get you. They will lie to get you. They will make up things. They will go to FISA courts and make up things. They will do everything possible to destroy you. And then it turns out that you're not destroyed. I can, I can understand his anger. It I wouldn't do it I, myself, I, 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 but I absolutely I, understand his anger. I can understand his anger, and I can understand his anger for maybe one day. But if it goes beyond that, oh, I, I think— It'd be nice it, if he it, moved on. It would be nice if he moves on and 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 learned a lesson of some kind, whatever lesson he learned. Susan Collins gave him the benefit of the doubt, yes, she did. and she said that he, he hopefully he will learn from that. I don't think there isn't anything that would make me believe that he will, but I sincerely hope that he would. Michael? I, I was going to say this in response to what Mike just said, which is you talk about attacking <clears throat> somebody, attacking somebody for 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 years and years and years right. that's that's what the republicans also did to hillary clinton and you can say right or wrong but frankly in 2016 it worked and from a political standpoint the democrats have already said we're going to continue investigating donald trump one of the reasons why hillary clinton lost in 2016 was 11 days before the election comey came out with this letter and said hey we're not done with this investigation we're restarting it and a lot of people said you know what i'm already weary of this i don't want four more years of this and i think if the electorate but mike she she won the popular vote i I understand doesn't that mean that the majority of anymore ask bernie sanders i i I understand let me just finish the point really quickly if the democrats in congress in the house say look we're going to keep investigating donald trump i think a lot of republicans and independents are going to say we don't want four more years of these investigations of trump let's turn the page to something new no, I, I think, think they that, may. No, I think they, they, may, they may turn out some Democrats. That's right, for, Alexandra. For Democrats, exactly I right. feel that the impeachment was something for them to rally behind. And I, will, I can't speak for all Democrats, but we wanted it. We wanted to move forward the process. The things he did was not okay. Um, obviously, the acquittal is not where we wanted to see it go, but we knew that it was going to go that direction with the Senate. But the hearing was powerful, and the Democrats did an amazing job of laying everything out. And you know, the American people got to see that. They got to see that play out and watch the Democrats. You know, with their questions and it was a critical Alexandra, process. Alexandra, you- wait a minute. Alexandra, his popularity jumped 10 points from October until recently, and the only thing that changed was the impeachment process. So this whole thing has made him more popular, according to Gallup, not some of the questionable Well, let's polls. see where he is two I know, weeks no. or well, two I, months Who knows now. what he's going to do? I'm not going to stake my and, reputation, to use that word, on him behaving himself for the next 10 months, but in terms of whether that process helped or hurt you- him, it unquestionably helped him. Do the Democrats at this table support Jerry Nadler's suggestion that now they're going to bring in Bolton and they're going to keep 
they're going to keep uh, keep the stew cooking. Absolutely. we got to get to the truth. <laughs> we had no witnesses and no documents. If you're not afraid of the truth, you let witnesses, no witnesses and documents you had in. Ten, tons no of witnesses. documents. You had tons of them. That's a Senate lie. trial. No not witnesses. in the Senate. That in the House you did. Done. That's not where it's done. You know, it's I'm, done a, I'm, but if, I'm but, a trial but if you're lawyer. Gonna, if you're going to spend the next three or four months talking about that with the American people, I think the Democrats run the risk of losing Sing control. The the Democrats, the Democra- yes. None please, of the Democratic please. candidates are talking about it. You None just of the Democrat- were, I'm a big, because because Bruce asked me the question. My fault. I've, I've moved, <laughs> I, I, I'm not done. the only person in the media that's going to ask I've, that. I've moved on to 2020, and and frankly, if you look at any of the town halls, and uh, the only time this comes up is in the debates when the presidential or candidates are asked or talk shows. In other words, everywhere. <laughs> but but most people, including me, frankly don't care about the impeachment all that much. We're ready to change the channel, turn the page, and elect a new turn president. You're using it twice. That's a, who else uses that phrase all the time? I don't know. <laughs> Well, I think I want to go back to change. I want to go back to the concept of changing the channels because, first of all, there were not, according to ratings, there were not a lot of people that were watching the hearings and and the, the, the Senate uh, trial. I mean, I watched it. I watched it. I don't want to say I watched every minute, but I watched a lot of it pretty much uninterrupted. Um, and and my question is, when you when you look at that. And you see the closeness of the vote and the fact that one person or three people could have gotten together, three Republicans could have flipped uh, it a different way insofar as uh, a vote on, uh, on, on witnesses. The control of the United States Senate is, I think, as big a story as who is going to be elected president. I really do. And that's going to be a very close race. It will, especially with the Supreme Court. There's got yes. to be at least one or two more that are going to have to be chosen. Another reason why I would want to vote Republican, I, I did not vote for Mr. Trump the first time. I absolutely will this time because I fear what the other side is is presenting to us. But keeping the Senate would be more important than getting the House and, uh, and because of the uh, judges. Right. Uh, Trump has put his mark on the uh, federal judges to like no other president has done. And these are a lot of very relatively young judges who will be there for many years. And I'm hoping we will get rid of activists and I think the, do something more yeah, in line say. with the Constitution. The news media, which is which is lionized uh, uh, Mitt Romney, and again, it will be the lead story in his obituary whenever that happens, oh, and yeah. I hope it's not uh, soon. But again, I think missing in their coverage uh, was something that Amy Klobuchar has said. I think the real profile in courage was Doug Jones of Alabama. I mean, he's the guy that could lose an election Good. because he's of the toast. way the way he the he way he voted. Toast. Yeah. Yeah, that vote is absolutely going to cost him that seat. But but again, is that a profile in courage? It, Mitt Romney isn't going to lose any profile in party vote. discipline is what it is. Okay, party discipline. Yeah. Okay. Over. All right. Right. That's your response. Well, you see, you one eight hundred seven two three eighty nine one two three one two three. One eight hundred seven two three eighty two eighty nine. One eight hundred seven two three eighty two eighty nine. I'm Bruce Dumont. A reminder that coming up uh, uh, right after the hour, uh, we're going to be joined by John Nichols. Whether you're watching us on TV, listening to us on radio, or watching us on the iPhone, back shortly. A new exhibit from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Stay tuned. Rock on TV. Artifacts from the Jackson 5, Sonny and Cher, Elvis, Cindy Lauper, ZZ Top, Eric Clapton, and more. Now at the Museum of Broadcast Communications, 360 North State Street, Chicago. From bandstand to gaga, let's rock on TV.
For info and tickets, visit museum.tv. You have the right to know. The right to know about culture. The right to know about the economy. The right to know about technology and to know about sports. You have the right to know about education and politics and the weather. You have the right to know what's happening abroad and in your backyard. But above all else, you have the right to know that this right is under attack. And we must work to protect it. Because in order to be free, we must be informed. Understand the threats. ProtectPressFreedom.org. Bruce Dumont back in Chicago. Let's go to Melita listening to us in Evanston, Illinois. And she is listening to us on Facebook. Go ahead. Hi. Um, I was watching the show. And when you all were talking about Pete Buttigieg, uh, Alexandra Eidenberg had brought up she was concerned that he's not reaching the the black vote. Mm-hmm. And the immediate response to her was, well, suburban Republican women like him. So I, was, I'm, I would love for someone to explain why that was the response to him not reaching the black vote, as if the black vote doesn't matter when you have suburban Republican women liking him. Mike well, Lieber should answer that one. Well, well, well this, is my, this is Mike, and I'm a big Pete supporter, and I actually was not the person who said that. I think Pete is actually going to pick up a lot of support from African Americans. You know, to date, the only candidate who's really gotten any support, any measurable support from African Americans, has been Joe Biden. Um, and, you know, for good reason. He was part of the Obama administration. He's been around for a long time. He's got a ton of name recognition, and he's done a lot of good things for African Americans. If he fades, Uh, African-American votes, and African-American votes are in no way a monolith, but African-American voters are going to have to go to one of the other candidates. If you look at Pete's Frederick Douglass plan, which addresses a number of issues focusing on African-Americans from housing equality to health care to entrepreneurship to criminal justice reform to education – if once people start looking at him and his policies, I think they are going to absolutely fall They're in love. So we can look at his policies, though. but let's look at what he did as mayor. He, I mean, the the amount of arrests that were going on with black folks more than white folks. He is not focused on criminal justice reform, and so a lot of the issues that are near and dear to my heart, he's not there. And I do think that the black vote matters. So Malika, thank you for reiterating that. And I think that not just for Pete's campaign, but I think across the board for Democrats. It is a critical part of us winning this go around, mm. and we need to recognize that. And so, and I think <clears> that Pete's track record it, it, in the councilman that recently came out and was talking about what was going on in the community that's damaging and it, it's concerning. But that ca- you, that councilman, and so just quickly, that councilman ran against him for mayor and came yeah. in fifth place and has always been a critic of his. Alexander, let me ask you the question because I think this brings up, brings up a broader question. The candidate you were for, Kamala Harris. She ran into some problems because of her, her because she was a prosecutor. She took a lot of crap because she was a prosecutor. People didn't like that. Amy Klobuchar is taking a lot of flack right now because she was a prosecutor. Uh, Pete Buttigieg is is, pick, is is running problems allegedly with allegedly with the black community because uh, because of these crime statistics. When are the when is the Democratic Party going to get over the the fact that they have to defend past Records. I mean, Pete Buttigieg made the point that one of the reasons why arrests went up was that he looked, the police department looked at statistics, and there was gun violence, and there was overall violence in those areas where they increased police presence, and when they increase police 
presence, they found drugs, they enforced the law, and many of the people who had broken the law were black. Why can't a Democrat state things just that way? Because it, it, it appears, as, 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 uh, frankly, as, as a white guy, it appears that Democrats always have to defend a law and order Democrat for enforcing the law, and it may be disproportionate that blacks may be arrested, but maybe they committed more crime in those areas. Why can't a Democrat say that without having their whole political career ripped apart? Because it's a core constituency. So, in some point, but I also think that um, targeting and putting in and criminal justice reform is critical. We're looking at it here in Illinois with Kim Fox and what she's done and how she's really changing the face of how things are working. And, you know, uh, there's not a, as many of arrests. And this is a good thing. I don't think we need to be arresting black people all the time. I think that we're putting people. I'm not into suggesting jail that in we should be investigating way. and we should be arresting black people all the time. If black people commit crimes, they should be arrested. Likewise, if white people commit crimes, they should be arrested. My question is, why can't there be a strong law and order? Even it doesn't have to be a strong law and order. It can be a Democrat who's following the existing laws, enforcing the existing laws, whether you're the district attorney in, in, in San Francisco or in, in Hennepin County, Minnesota, or the mayor of South Bend. Why do, why do Democrats have to be perceived as soft on crime to get black to get black support, which I totally deny because the people who are generally victims of that mm -hmm. are not only the people that were arrested, in many cases they are terrorizing neighborhoods that are made up primarily of black people. Mm -hmm. uh, for me right now, everything that you're describing, I feel that we need to show more respect to black communities. And I agree. I don't, I, I don't think that we do that by coming in. Do they in need to show more respect for law and order and police officers? I think officers. they are showing respect for law and order. And I think that there's a disproportionate way that black people are treated instead of white people. And as a, as a woman who, you know, lives my life with white privilege, I know that I'm treated differently by police. I know that I'm treated differently in the community than a black person. Um, if I'm shopping, um, no one thinks I'm shoplifting. When black folks are shopping, sometimes people think they're shoplifting. What about it's when a, a teenager? What about when a car full of teenagers from Kenilworth go into Englewood? Are they suspect? Do they look like they're a group of white uh, white teenagers looking for drugs Most in an area where drugs Kenilworth are prevalent? Don't really get out of the neighborhood that far. Pardon? I would say I, I happen to live in the area near Kenilworth, and really? I would argue that uh, they're not venturing. So out where do that they way. buy their drugs? You, maybe you know better than I do. I'm unsure. And <laughs> <laughs> I'm not trying to laugh about it. I think They're that probably a in a car going issue. to an area where they know that drugs are, are readily sold, which are in many, many black communities. But Bruce, not I mean, exclusively. you can agree that the North Shore has its, its, its drug issues and the drugs yes, are in do. that community. They don't. They're not well, leaving I'm going, the community I'm, to get I'm, it. I, I am repeating what I've heard from police officers. If they see white teenagers cruising around in a black neighborhood, that's suspect just as having black teenagers cruising around in Kenilworth is suspect. In that particular case, there is a similar treatment. We do have to pause. I'm Bruce Dumont, back shortly. Another full hour with a live report from John Nichols of The Nation, and he is standing by in Keene, New Hampshire. Back shortly.
Do you worry about how much someone drinks? Do you feel angry or depressed most of the time? Do you feel neglected or unloved? Do you feel that if the drinker loved you, she or he would stop drinking? If you answered yes to any of these questions, you are not alone. Not everyone trapped by alcohol is an alcoholic. Families and friends are suffering too. Al-Anon and Alateen can help. Call 1-866-200-0223 or visit alanon.org slash help. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned. I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. The economy is not working for everybody especially those in jobs where unscrupulous businesses keep wages lower by hiring millions of illegal workers. Those businesses could use the government's E-Verify system to prevent illegal hiring, but they refuse. What's best for the country? Let businesses continue to hire illegal workers or require E-Verify, raise wages, and recruit left-behind Americans? See what voters want at eVerifyWorks.com. Paid for by Numbers USA because numbers... GTG, BRB, OMW, be there in a few. You may think that these kinds of texts are fine because of their length, and you can easily send them at a stoplight. But no, answering one text can take your attention away from the road for five seconds. And traveling at 55 miles an hour, that's enough time to travel the length of a football field. Make good decisions. Don't text and drive. Visit StopTextStopRex.org. A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Project Yellow Light. Noise and the Ad Council. Chris Domine is a husband and a father. Chris is an athlete. Chris is even an Iron Man. But 10 years ago, Chris was facing a very different story because his kidneys were failing. Basically, the doctor said if you don't get a kidney transplant and if you don't do dialysis, you, you are going to die. Fortunately, Chris received a second chance at life made possible by an organ donor. You know, your well-being changes from loss of hope to hope to better times ahead. More than 100 million people in America are registered organ, eye, and tissue donors. People of every age and ethnicity because they believe it's the right thing to do. Imagine what you can make possible by leaving behind the gift of life. Learn more and sign up as an organ, eye, and tissue donor. Go to organdonor.gov. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. Bruce Dumont back in Chicago. Thank you very much for joining us. And uh, as I mentioned at the beginning of the broadcast, we are going to now focus at least the next couple of segments on what is likely to happen and what is happening right now in the great state of New Hampshire. And we head there now, and we are joined by John Nichols, who is a veteran reporter, and he is with uh, The Nation, and he joins us from Keene, New Hampshire. John, nice to have you back with us on Beyond the Beltway. Bruce, it's a great pleasure to be with you, and uh, you sound every bit the same as you always have. Well, listen, I, you know, I was saying to Mike uh, Miller, because he, he reads you regularly, uh, uh, who's one of our guests this evening, and he's a I'm conservative a and he's a Republican, but he reads you regularly, and I was just saying that, you know, I was thinking as I was coming over here today, I think we go back to about 1992, so we've known each other for a long, long time. We have, and you know who I ran into in Iowa at the start of the week at a Bernie who? 
Who was that? Frank Luntz. Oh, Frank Luntz. Okay. Well, let me let me who ask you. I, yep. We all met up. I think we all kind of traveled. We. We all were talking to each other. We about traveled, years in, we, ago, if you we, can believe it. Yeah, we traveled in the same circles, and and l- let's bring it up to date right now. You're you're in uh, Keene, yeah. New Hampshire. Uh, we should mention for those that don't know the Nation, it's one of the leading progressive uh, uh, periodicals in the United States. Has been around for a long, long time, and uh, you hail from Madison, Wisconsin, so you've covered and you've seen the evolution of progressive politics uh, in America. Uh, where are you now? And and in the race between Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, let's focus on just those two in New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. How do you see things shaking out just between those two? Oops. Hello? Well, understand. John, are you there? Here, can you hear me? I can. Yeah, keep keep talking. Go ahead. I apologize, brother. We're on the edge of a rally. I'm trying to hopefully okay. make it work as well as we can. Okay. Um, it's always dangerous to make a prediction the weekend before an election. But if we believe the polls, and frankly, the anecdotal evidence, what I'm seeing on the ground seems to parallel them, um, I think that Bernie Sanders is holding his base and potentially expanding it a bit here in New Hampshire. I was just at a rally with him tonight uh, on a campus in Keene, New Hampshire, in the southwestern part of the state. And he had a pretty incredible crowd of uh, a lot of students from the campus, but, but farmers and, you know, a lot of working class people from out in this, this region of the state. It was a good crowd. It's the kind of crowd you'd want for an election. Now, um, he's having rallies like that all over the state. Warren is also working the state very hard. She clearly is getting crowds out. She's doing well, but it's, I don't think it's at the same level. And my sense is that what's likely to happen here is you know, a hard fight for first place between uh, Sanders and Buttigieg. Um, and then Warren, in a, in a much tougher position, um, certainly working to come in ahead of Biden. I think she's got a good chance of that because Biden's looking very weak. Um, but uh, probably not too close to that upper tier. And also with a fascinating thing happen, I am hearing a lot as I go around the state, a lot of enthusiasm for Amy Klobuchar and quite a few people who have been saying to me, well, I was going to vote for Elizabeth Warren, but I was really, really impressed with Amy Klobuchar in the debate on Friday night. Yeah. And so I think Warren's got, I think she's faced a real challenge here. I thought that Amy Klobuchar, uh, and again, many of the analysts sort of agreed with this, uh, is that I thought it was her best debate, and I thought it was a debate where, where, where she was a clear winner, and there weren't necessarily clear winners in, in previous debates. I agree with you. And um, you see, the interesting thing is that people have different demands on them in the debates. This is an important thing to understand. Sanders' supporters are going to be enthusiastic about Sanders. And also another portion of people are going to be enthusiastic because he delivers the same message, a core economic message, that um, the best night of the year. Mm-hmm. Do fun, um, and a little bit for different reasons, but for Yang and a couple of so it's really the modulation. How do they do? Mm-hmm. And in this critical moment for Amy Klobuchar, 
the moment where she had to do the best she possibly could, um, she basically turned the volume up to 11. I mean, she, yes. she, I think, nailed it. And the other guy. The other thing, John, that I want to ask is that, uh, uh, you know, throughout this campaign, they've been talking about the various lane, the moderate lane, the socialist, the democratic lane. The yeah. one thing they've not talked about in the past, and that is uh, the woman's lane. And it seems to me that what we have, or at least the voters of New Hampshire have uh, tomorrow, is they have an opportunity to define uh, who, who is the leader in the woman's lane. And, uh, you know, that that battle between Amy Klobuchar and Elizabeth Warren may be one of the most interesting and maybe uh, foretelling uh, results to look for on Tuesday night. I agree with you. And I think one of... Hello? going into this sort of pundit trap of thinking that somebody who leaves, say, a, a Pete Buttigieg could only vote for an Amy Klobuchar, or somebody who leaves Biden could only vote for Buttigieg, you know, that, that people are sort of in these narrow territories. Right. And that's never what I hear on the trail. It's never that way. Mm-hmm. I hear people say, I really want a woman president. I'm really excited. I was excited about Kamala Harris. It mm-hmm. didn't work out there. Um, now I'm for... Uh, Elizabeth Warren, and and for good reason. You know, we've we've had forty five presidents. It's about time we had a woman. And well, so um, that's what I'm. I, I hear people making moves that the pundits don't talk about much, and and I think that's an error. I will tell you one thing: if Joe Biden really goes weak, do you know who that helps? In my view, Bernie Sanders, because I think Sanders gets quite a few of those union working class people who mm-hmm. like Biden. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I said earlier in the program, I asked the question uh, to uh, uh, Elizabeth uh, or Alexandra uh, Eidenberg, who was here, who was sort of undecided. I, I asked the question whether or not the Democratic Party uh, would, would actually nominate a gay man over the first woman possible president of the United States. And she was sort of, uh, uh, she, she was impressed with the question, but what's your answer to that question, John? I, look, I think the, the Democratic Party could nominate a gay man or a woman. I don't think that's, I think the party's more than ready to do that. Um, but I don't think at the end of the day that this year they're likely to do it for that reason, right? Because of its great, symbolic and, and practical importance. My sense is that this time, the party will nominate a candidate who makes the most credible case for these primaries and boxes that they can be on Trump. And... John, John, we're going to John. Excuse me. We're going to we're going to pause now. We have a commercial break. My guests in studio have a question for you, but I'm going to ask our producer Andrew Marshall to call you back and see if we can get a better line uh, for the next segment because we've we've had a real uh, rough time in this segment. We're talking to John Nichols. Uh, Hopefully, you've heard at least a portion of what he had to say. We're going to look for a better line when we continue from Chicago and Keene, New Hampshire, tonight on Beyond the Beltway. A new exhibit from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Stay tuned. Rock on TV. Artifacts from the Jackson 5, Sonny and Cher, Elvis, Cyndi Lauper, ZZ Top, Eric Clapton, and more. 
Now at the Museum of Broadcast Communications, 360 North State Street, Chicago. From Bandstand to Gaga, let's rock on TV. For info and tickets, visit museum.tv. You have the right to know. The right to know about culture. The right to know about the economy. The right to know about technology and to know about sports. You have the right to know about education and politics and the weather. You have the right to know what's happening abroad and in your backyard. But above all else, you have the right to know that this right is under attack. And we must work to protect it. Because in order to be free, we must be informed. Understand the threats. ProtectPressFreedom.org. Bruce Dumont back. Uh, we're waiting for uh, John to call us back on a better line. So uh, when he does, we will bring him into the conversation. But, Alexandra, you wanted to make a point. So, you know, we were just talking about the women, you know, voting for a woman. One of the things we hadn't talked about yet was voting for someone who's a Jew, and I happen to be <clears throat> a Jew, and it's something I'm very proud of. Um, and I've seen a lot of members of my organization say we're not ready for a Jew right now, and I'm shocked by that because I feel like we so are. How is that even a conversation? And earlier you mentioned folks back in the day not being ready for a Roman Catholic, and so I just wanted 60 to kind years of, ago. Right. <laughs> Thank you for affirming my exact point. I'd love to hear from all of you. I, you know, everyone brings their brilliance to the table. Do you think that America is ready for a Jewish person? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. No question. I don't think two there's names, any hesitation. Words. Joe there, Lieberman. Oh, yeah. People no, I think on my I think side, we love Joe Lieberman. For, for a Jewish person, for sure, elected. no issue. I think certainly for an African American now, clearly no issue. I think for a woman, no issue. It's an open question about a gay candidate, I think. Really. Uh, what, what, Michael, you're, you're Jewish. I, I want to have you answer the question. And, and uh... yeah, I, I, I think I think it's kind of a non-issue. I, and, and one of the things I will say, going back to Kennedy, when I was growing up in the '70s and '80s, my parents made a big deal of the fact that wow, the Amer- you know America elected a Roman Catholic, and we were, we aren't even Roman Catholics. They were like we were. This was a really huge moment for us. And I was thinking, why is that a big deal? Of course, a Roman Catholic. And but for me, when we elected an African American, I was like, wow, this is a really big deal. And now my kids are going to think. I can't believe you thought that this was a big deal. So uh, it shows you the progression of our country. I'm going to I'm going to give an answer that. Uh, again, more people may throw things to the TV. Um, I think it would be difficult to elect a Jewish president. Hmm. A I Jewish woman. A lot woman. of people do. I mean, this is what I do. I'm, I'm going to Why do you say that? that? Why do you yeah. say that? Because I, I do believe that anti-Semitism is something that exists. Uh, it's 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 deep, deep in the in the body hmm. politic. I'm looking at the states that need to be won, and uh, I'm looking at also the importance of having a huge black turnout. And uh, black Jewish relations are not perfect. They're a long way from perfect in a lot of parts of the country. And uh, for all of those reasons, I, you know, I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm giving you a, my, I think we're going to find out. Honest, we're going to find out. Well, well we will find that out. That's but almost I'm just like a closer saying. relationship than many of them. But again, we well, also have a situation where, you say that one, I mean, the other thing is, is what, what about if this race comes down to between Michael Bloomberg That's it. And, and Bernie Sanders? Both New York Jews, and and if you throw the Democratic in, nomination, and if you throw in, I mean, I think the three finalists are going to be uh, Bernie and Bloomberg and Buttigieg, the killer bees, yeah. uh, two Jews and a gay person. Uh, so, uh, uh, and, and you know what? I actually think America is ready for any of them. Okay, let's go back to John Nichols. John, are you still there? I am here, and I just cool. heard your conversation, and I will tell you that a Jewish candidate can be elected president of the United States. Okay. As much well, as I, I hope so. Bruce. And I will tell you that um, 
Pennsylvania, Jewish U.S. Senator. Yes. Michigan, Jewish U.S. Senator. Yes. Wisconsin, two Jewish U.S. Senators. Minnesota, Jewish U.S. Senator. The fact of the matter is that um, the upper Midwest, the states that you need to win, have elected a lot of Jewish U.S. Senators um, and uh, members of Congress. So my gut instinct is that this is quite doable, as is, um, you know, I think all of these possibilities are there. The conundrum is, and this is the real conundrum, um, I happen to believe, and, I, and you know, I, I hear so much of the pundit class reject this notion, but I happen to believe in tickets. I think it really matters who the president and vice president are. Yes. I, I do think it mattered to Barack Obama that he put Joe Biden on that ticket. I do think it mattered to, um, you know, Ronald Reagan that he put George H.W. Bush on his ticket. It, <coughs> building the right ticket is critical politically, and so when we talk about a Biden or a Buttigieg or a Bloomberg or a Sanders, I'm less concerned about whether one of them could get elected president in the right circumstance Mm -hmm. than I am about the question of who will be put on that ticket to build it out, right, to get to get over some uh, some of the other challenges uh, politically and structurally in this country. And I that to me is the really interesting Will the here. will the because Bernie I Sanders suspect. John if if Bernie Sanders is the nominee, will his supporters will they accept anyone less uh, liberal than let's say Elizabeth Warren as a possible running mate? In other words, can they live with an Amy Klobuchar as a running mate? Yes, um, as somebody who's who's really talked to a lot of Bernie backers in a lot of settings. And, yeah. It's just with a couple thousand of them right now. Right. I can tell you that for better and for worse, it's, it cuts both ways. But their loyalty is to Bernie Sanders. Um, they're very, very passionate about him as a candidate. And so if he was to say, um, look, uh, we can win this place, but I need fill in the blank um, as my running mate, uh, I think you would, you know, you'd have, you always have the, the one or two percent that are going to be a problem. Mm-hmm. Fine. The fact of the matter is, I don't think Sanders would have any problem at all. The challenge for Sanders is that he really does, he believes, and having interviewed him many, many times, I think he believes very, very strongly in um, both building out a winning politics, but also having somebody he can work with. And so as, as you look at running potential running mates, and we, we're getting into the zone where such conversations might be held. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly not there yet, uh, by any means. But um, I think that Warren is a possibility, and it shouldn't be underestimated. I think Klobuchar is a possibility. What I can tell you is... John, let me just interject, for, Bernie, let me interject yeah. for just a second. Uh, Nick Calm is here, and he wants to follow up on something that you've just said. Yeah, John, sure. just uh, a follow-up question on the whole Bernie question that uh, Bruce was just asking. Bernie declared himself the winner in Iowa. We know that. Short time ago, before we went on the air, uh, the party there has now finally declared Mayor Pete the winner, not um, Bernie. Certainly a lot of Bernie supporters, as you well know, feel the nomination was stolen from him last time in 2016 and given to Hillary. What's going to happen if it's perceived to be happening with his supporters, if that's perceived to be happening again? Well, Iowa is such a disaster, right? Such a such a nightmarish mess of a thing um, that I do think it kind of goes into its own category here. Um, you will certainly certainly 
have people who, uh, you know, you have every, every theory and every challenge and every objection. But I think that will mainly exist on Twitter. Um, at the end of the day, uh, New Hampshire becomes the test. And um, as somebody said today, uh, New Hampshire is where this begins now. Iowa ends up as sort of a, a fiasco unto itself. If Sanders wins comfortably in New Hampshire, and I'm not saying for sure that will happen, I think Iowa kind of goes away. It becomes quickly forgotten. On the other hand, and I think the core of your good question, uh, is if there is a sense, a perceived sense of bias on the part of party leadership throughout the process, if there is an effort to bring back superdelegates, if there's a sense that the debate rules are being gamed in ways that are unfavorable, you know, if it adds up to something, then, then you've got a problem. Then the Democrats have a problem. And the interesting thing is I did see Tom Perez uh, interviewed this morning, and I've talked to him about this a few times. My sense is he's very conscious of this, and I do really believe he's going to work very hard to avoid that impression. Um, with that said also, by the way, um, I can tell you that 99 and 9 tenths of Americans have no idea what a delegate equivalent is, um, <laughs> but they all understand that if you get more votes, you usually are yep. supposed to win. Yeah. Here's yeah. a Michael so Michael Lieber. Michael Lieber is here. He is uh, he supports Pete Buttigieg for president, but he's not here officially. Go ahead. Uh, hey, John, this is Mike. Uh, I am a volunteer volunteering for the campaign. I'm actually going to be heading to uh, New Hampshire Tuesday morning to knock on doors and hopefully attend a victory party in Man- Manhattan. Uh, you might. You Manche- might. Ma- Manchester on uh, on uh, Tuesday night. Question for you in terms of the independent voters who can vote in New Hampshire. Uh, do you get a sense of how they're going to break? Are they going to break for somebody who's a progressive like Bernie? Are they going to vote uh, break for you know somebody who is perceived to be a little more moderate like Pete or Amy or Joe? Do, have you gotten a sense of that from talking to people? Yeah, it's it's a that's a superb question and a really important one. Um, here's the subtlety of New Hampshire. I've covered elections here going back a very very long time. An independent in some parts of New Hampshire is different than an independent in other parts. And so if you identify as an independent in uh, some of the Boston suburb areas that are right along the border, um, you are probably like a pretty genuine independent, right? You might, you know, kind of vote one way or the other, go back and forth. Um, If you're in the southwestern part of the state where I am right now, um, there's a lot of independents who are to the left of the Democratic Party. And so if they come in there, you know, it's a bit of a compromise because they're not voting for, you know, a green or, or other lefty. Um, so around the state, it's different. My sense is that Mayor Pete has done very well with getting through to a lot of those, um, those independents who are in the southeastern part of the state along the border. I think they, that he'll, do, he'll get some votes there. Sanders will continue to get, um, on the western part of the state, a lot of that. The interesting thing in play, again, and I'm, I'm you know, by Tuesday night I could be way wrong. Um, the independents tend to be the group that kind of surprises you by, by moving in and, and shaking things up. Uh, and if they do, I'm going to predict they will probably do it for Klobuchar. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Inter- interesting yeah, point. I'm not sure of that, but it's a, it's a possibility. Yeah. John, uh, can you stick with us for a little bit longer, or do you have to go back to your rally? 
No, my rally is done. That's why we're that why we can hear each other so well. Okay, very good. We're going to put you on hold. I'm we're going to continue. Stay with you. We're going to continue with John Nichols of the Nation. He joins us from uh, Keene, New Hampshire, uh, along with our guests here in Chicago. We'll continue. One eight hundred seven two three eighty twenty nine. If you have a question you'd like to pose, give us a call. One eight hundred seven two three eighty twenty nine. From coast to coast and border to border, and now around the world at beyondthebeltway.com. The economy is not working for everybody, especially those in jobs where unscrupulous businesses keep wages lower by hiring millions of illegal workers. Those businesses could use the government's e-verify system to prevent illegal hiring, but they refuse. What's best for the country? Let businesses continue to hire illegal workers or require e-verify, raise wages, and recruit left-behind Americans? See what voters want at eVerifyWorks.com. Paid for by Numbers USA, because numbers count. Every year, millions of Americans use opioids to manage pain. And reliance on opioids has led to the worst drug crisis in American history. That's why the CDC recommends safer alternatives, like physical therapy, to manage pain. Physical therapists treat pain through movement, hands-on care, and patient education. No warning labels required. When it comes to your health, you have a choice. Choose physical therapy. Visit MoveForwardPT.com to find a physical therapist in your area. Bruce Dumont back in Chicago. And Mike Lieber, you have a question for John Nichols. So, uh, Mike, uh, go ahead and ask your question. John, give us the sense of the enthusiasm on the ground, you know, crowd sizes for the various candidates that you've been going to their rallies and also at those rallies. You, who, 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 which are the candidates who are actually kind of rousing up their, uh, the, the people there? Superb question, and it's actually the right question for uh, this state versus Iowa. There's no question that there is a uh, much higher level of energy here, a much higher level of enthusiasm um, than there was in Iowa. It is different. Um, more people are coming out. Now, this state, I have to be honest with you, this state has a high level of political tourists. And that needs to be understood. There are a lot of people, when you start asking people in a room where they're from, you have to be very careful to make sure they're from New Hampshire because you get a lot of folks <laughs> from Massachusetts and Vermont and other places coming in. But um, with that proviso, I can tell you that, that it is, it's different. I felt in Iowa, um, in some cases, a lack of energy. Uh, it wasn't always true. Sanders always has high energy. There's no question of that. And his crowds are very young and very enthusiastic and sanders tends to have a major rock band with him a lot and you know all, he had tim robbins the actor tonight who was mm -hmm. very poetic and good so his events are more like a festival um but i'm seeing big 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 crowds for people to judge i mean there is no question that there are a lot of people coming out to hear him and see him and to weigh that choice amy klobuchar's crowds have really grown substantially uh, there's no question of that. Um, Warren's crowds are good and solid. Uh, Biden, Biden still gets a good crowd here. Um, Biden's benefiting here a lot by a key union endorsement, and that is uh, the firefighters. They really are getting people out for him, and, uh, and that's consequential. But uh, overall, I would say there's a lot of enthusiasm. Where there is the, you know, kind of the, the incredibly passionate energy, um, I'm going to put that mostly with, again, Sanders and Buttigieg. I think the Buttigieg people are really 
into this thing and excited about it um, because it's a classic New Hampshire thing, right? Remember, this is the state that rocketed Gary Hart up in 1984. Right. It's the Jeez. state that embraced Paul Songus. And, yep. and remember, Bill Clinton lost this state to Paul right. Songus. And so I think Buttigieg has a little of that energy. Um, now, speaking of energy people, and crowds, John, are you going to be uh, uh, in uh, covering the president's uh, visit to New Hampshire tomorrow night? I'm going to give it a little shot. Um, <laughs> it's a complexity. It's a complexity because this is my choice, right? Um, mm-hmm. Everybody's got a good rally tomorrow night. Um, okay. Bernie Sanders has the rock band The Strokes um, okay. at a huge arena and probably the biggest rally that uh, New Hampshire's seen in a political race in a long time. He's also got Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez flying in. That looks like a pretty, pretty rocking event. Um, and then you've got... How about Donny Osmond? Two- Is Donny Osmond going to be with the president? I'm not anticipating it. Um, you know, the weird thing about the president, I was, you know, I saw his rally in Iowa. And the interesting thing about the president is there are other people who come, but the president has an com- incredibly different way of using people at his rally. They don't, you know, a few people may speak before him, but generally they don't speak before him. They're just there on the side waiting for the possibility that he will call them up. Yes. <laughs> or recognize them. Thing. No. John, I'm. No, John, I, he brings them in and actually lets them give a speech. John, I mentioned in the introduction that uh, you uh, you hail from uh, Madison, Wisconsin. So uh, clearly, everyone knows, uh, certainly who listens to this program, that Wisconsin and Michigan and Ohio and Pennsylvania are going to be the states that once again will likely determine who is the next president of the United States. Uh, can you give us an assessment of where this campaign is? Uh, in 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 your home state of Wisconsin, uh, where I'm told the Trump supporters are are pretty uh, well organized, they are well organized. And the interesting thing is that Donald Trump benefits in Wisconsin from something that came before him. In most states, um, he really is sort of taking over the Republican Party organization, maybe building some things out, and some of his people building things out. It's different in Wisconsin. It, Wisconsin had the Wisconsin uprising of 2011 that great battle between Scott Walker and the unions. And in the aftermath of that, the recall election and the 2014 election, a lot of conservative groups really put a lot of money into the state to build infrastructure, and they kept that infrastructure in place. It has largely transferred pretty well to Trump. And so in Wisconsin, he has um, not just, you know, whatever appeal he has, but also a grassroots infrastructure that's been nurtured and invested in over time. What that means is that even though um, Wisconsin, I, generally in presidential, the truth of the matter is, if, if things are going on pattern, Wisconsin airs just a tiny bit toward the Democrat. That's the, that's the pattern. Wisconsin went pretty Democratic in 2018. That's also true. If Democrats nominate a candidate who's got sort of the right mix of populism and personal appeal, um, they should be in pretty good shape. But they will never, at least to my view, they're never going to get it outside of like the 52-48 range, mm-hmm. one way or the other. You know, it's, it, my gut is that um, Trump has mm-hmm. got, he's probably got the 47-48. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a question of where, if he can get it over the line. And similarly, the Democrats probably have a 47-48 as well. It means 
that Wisconsin really is that classic battleground state. John, when uh, when we get to March 1st, obviously uh, February is going to be in everybody's rearview mirror, and then March 1st is, uh, we're a couple of days away from Super Tuesday when, when uh, Mike Bloomberg may actually come out and shake hands <laughs> with people and not just uh, run an air assault against uh, uh, the, the president. And my question to you is, uh, how worried are the uh, uh, Bernie Sanders uh, folks how worried are they about uh, uh, about Mike Bloomberg, or uh, should Mayor Pete be far more worried than uh, Bernie Sanders? Um, that is a terrific question. It's got many many layers and many nuances to it. But the simplest answer is that the Bernie Sanders people have been running against the billionaire class now for the better part of five years. Um, they kind of relish the idea of taking on a billionaire. I'm not sure they're ready for it. Um, it's a, it's going to be a daunting task because I think that Bloomberg, um, Bloomberg's got an appeal that a lot of people don't, a lot, of, a lot of folks don't really recognize. But you hear it at the grassroots, and that is there's a ton of progressives, a ton of uh, mainstream Democrats, even more moderate Democrats, who are just exhausted from opposing Trump, and Bloomberg comes in and says, "Hey, I got it from here on. You know, I got the money. I can build the blah blah blah." I'm not sure he's right. I don't happen to like that type of politics, but it, it's going to have an appeal. And so the fight, the Sanders people, I think, are prepared to have that fight and argue that you're not going to get the structural change you want. For Buttigieg, it's a more complex thing because um, he then, it, let's say he survives and he makes it through. And so it's Sanders, Buttigieg, and Bloomberg. Let's say it is, in fact, you know, that, that contest. Um, in that case, Buttigieg has to emphasize his youth. I mean, it, it, it's, it's what distinguishes him. And, um, and it may work for him, but he also runs the risk of getting, uh, as would Klobuchar, Biden, others, of just getting kind of um, shoved, shoved to the side, pushed out by this yep. massive Bloomberg steamroll. Uh, yeah. Machine, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. Uh, Mike Lieber's got a comment. Hey, John, uh, a question, because assuming that uh, it does come to pass that after the first four states, you've got essentially Bernie and Buttigieg, and then Bloomberg is going to step in in Super Tuesday. It seems like Bloomberg's whole theory of the case and why he first got in uh, when, when Biden was starting to waver a little bit was, hey, I am the backstop in case by Bi- I'm the centrist backstop in case Biden fails. And if you've got another centrist candidate like Pete, does that pretty much blow a hole in Bloomberg's whole theory of the case? I don't think so. Um, and here's the deal. I don't think that uh, you'd be surprised how many people don't see Pete Buttigieg as a centrist. Right. They may see him as a practical candidate, <laughs> a candidate who's making some appeals that nobody that, at this table that does. Are different. <laughs> what I say, none of our yeah. Republicans at the table think that. Go to yeah. and 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 you see, I hear that even from progressives. You know, he has people just has some some liberal backers, and so the bottom line is, I think we've got to break out a little bit from that that calculus. And what I can tell you is this: here in New Hampshire, uh, yesterday I. You know, I was going to drive out to the western part of the state, which I think is always a good place to get a feel of it. And so I was at some events. I got in my car. It's the first time I really wasn't talking to somebody else. Turned the radio on. First ad I heard in New Hampshire was a Bloomberg ad. 
he's not campaigning in New Hampshire. He's not advertising here, but they get Boston radio here. And he's all over Boston radio and Boston TV because of Super Tuesday, or because of March and, and thereon. Mm-hmm. And so the fact of the matter is, Bloomberg is already and will become increasingly omnipresent. And he is, in my opinion, going to run a campaign that seeks to be all things to all people. Now, passionate progressives are going to see through that and object to that. Um, Maybe some passionate moderates, of which there are, may see through that and object to it. But the truth of the matter is, um, to fight Bloomberg, it's it's going to take a deeper, more nuanced, uh, message. It is. You're going to have to look for your where's the beef. Um, and uh, I'm not sure any of these folks have it yet. John, we've got about uh, 15 seconds for this answer, uh, and we thank you for <laughs> joining us today. Yeah. But here's my question. Uh, I heard you earlier, you're, you don't want to make a prediction. Uh, you suggested that Bernie, the the mole might be with, with, uh, with Bernie, but it also could be Buttigieg. But I want to make sure I heard you clearly that if there's a surprise headline, it's going to be Amy Klobuchar. I'm going to bet on that. I wrote about her for tomorrow, so I hope I hope I didn't uh, waste my digits. Okay. Well, we heard you loud and clear on Beyond the Beltway. We thank you very much again. Right before uh, the primary here in Illinois, if you're going to be in Chicago, we'd love to have you back on Beyond the Beltway. I'm Bruce Dumont. Back shortly from Chicago. A new exhibit from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Stay tuned. Rock on TV. Artifacts from the Jackson 5, Sonny and Cher, Elvis, Cindy Lauper, ZZ Top, Eric Clapton, and more. Now at the Museum of Broadcast Communications, 360 North State Street, Chicago. From Bandstand to Gaga, let's rock on TV. For info and tickets, visit museum.tv. You have the right to know. The right to know about culture. The right to know about the economy the right to know about technology and to know about sports. You have the right to know about education and politics and the weather. You have the right to know what's happening abroad and in your backyard. But above all else, you have the right to know that this right is under attack and we must work to protect it because in order to be free, we must be informed. Understand the threats. Protectpressfreedom.org. Bruce Dumont back in Chicago. We've gone through, uh, we've only got 10 minutes left. We haven't even talked about the State of the Union address. Wow. Uh, Nick, come, uh, that was a four-bagger for you? Uh, the State of the Union? Yeah. Oh, it was very impressive performance, I would say. You think say. there was enough uh, reality TV in there? Oh, absolutely. Really? With all the returning war hero and the kid who was going to uh, their charter school, no, he hit all of the right notes. No, I know, Alexander, you'd like to rip up the speech just like Nancy did. I, here's the question. Here's the question that everybody needs to answer. At the end of the State of the Union, if you watched the entire thing, from walking in until Pelosi ripped up the speech, who did that, who do you think attracted independent voters? That's what this is all about. Yes. Who do you think attracted any independent voters? But the question was also it, was is... It, was it the Democrats sitting there all in white, scowling and refusing to stand, and Nancy ripping up the speech? Or was it Trump reaching out to African Americans, sounding like a reasonable guy, being on the teleprompter? It's a serious question. First Alexander, of all, full support of Nancy ripping up the speech. Loved every moment of it. Good. I will Don't admit Because you're a strong now, partisan Democrat. That's not who I'm asking about. Here, Let's go. Literally, everything that came out of Trump's mu- mouth to me was nearly all lies. And it was so uncomfortable is low. that I That's often had to 
walk away for a moment, that's how uncomfortable I was. You're entitled to your own opinions, not your own facts, though. I I was not impressed, and no one I know was impressed. You're not answering my question. You're not answering my Um, question, though. The question about moderates... Independence. I think that when you independence. Do, independence. Independence. Who, who, after the fact checking, they knew after the fact checking that that was that the things he were saying was not no, true. No, because the fact checking was all. Mike Lieber. It was an exaggeration. Mike Lieber. It doesn't move the needle at all. People's feelings about Trump are baked in. People's feelings about Trump are baked in. The ratings were low. It doesn't move the needle. Even for African Americans. Yeah. They're, they're, oh. they're, they're, African Americans can't stand Trump. Period. Uh, you know, he's racist. Yeah, yeah, African Americans uh, generally like don't. African Americans generally racist. don't like people who are either racist to them or say terrible things about them or enact policies that harm them. So, how about, how about the second chance? How about the second chance act? Did they like that, uh, Alexandra? The Second Chance Act. I mean, first of all, I feel the fact that we'd even say that that the black vote is going to go towards Trump is absolutely ridiculous. To I me. didn't I say the black vote. He doesn't need the black vote. He needs a portion of the black vote. And my question to you is, as the president who, who passed and signed and, and his, his, his son-in-law led the, the, the legislative battle for the Second Chance Act, uh, which was referenced in the Super Bowl ad as well. He spent $10 million to get a message out. Are you saying that no black folks are going to be that commercial by that? was disgusting, and it was upsetting. Why? And I <laughs> Why? and I find that this one <laughs> second chance because it was effective. That this one, the one time that someone got a second chance, and it, it, and it's my understanding that Kim Kardashian had a lot to do with that particular second so chance. So? I I find so? the commercial. It's <laughs> so a woman offensive. politically active. Are you opposed to Kim Kardashian? I wouldn't call Kim Kardashian politically <laughs> active. I would okay. say that she's politically sensitive and, and very effective if she helped get the Second Chance Act passed. If you're a fan of Kim Kardashian, I am that's not. Great. But but However, I, I want to be objective here. I find here, that Alexander. commercial to be to to be completely offensive. I think that it was it was it, it was obviously perfectly placed in a programming where we knew that there was a large uh, block of African Americans watching it, and the commercial gave an example of one person getting a second chance trying to pretend like he was giving more people second chances. Well, he it did is. give it more is. people. <laughs> that was the he point did, of the legislation. Uh, Alexander, do you not know that yeah. he gave other people a second chance and they weren't all African Americans? Are you are you deny are I you do denying not think the that appeal? that's a platform appropriate to, for him to be touting when he is blatantly are you, racist. Are you are you, racist. are you He's very racist. He's are not you racist. Alexander also perpetuating anti-Semitism Do you know when in, uh, in, in when he was in New York City he received a lifetime Achievement Award from Jesse Jackson for his support of the black community? Do you realize that happened? Did he all of a sudden become a, a racist care. on the she day he like became him. president? So, so Mike, are, didn't like those facts. Mike, are you a big fan of Jesse Jackson? Uh, I, a, a young <laughs> Jesse Jackson, not the most recent Jesse Jackson. <laughs> But he gave – so now you're attacking Jesse Jackson. No, I'm just asking what because kind of a, it seems – What kind of response is it, that? It, it seems like so Jesse you'll Jackson, use Jesse Jackson Jesse for one Jackson person. Jesse Jackson gives purpose. him this lifetime award for supporting the black community. And somehow between that and all of a sudden, and when, nobody when ever did, talked about this he, guy when in did, the press being when a racist. Did he, when did he, he became a racist. When okay. did he give him that award? 
about 20 uh 10 20 if that well if oh, that's yeah. if that's the case how come Donald Trump got what 4% of the black vote I want to I want to I want to come folks I want to come back to the question wow. the question was and, and I'm going to ask you Alexandra so simply just a moment everybody's a racist what, Mike Alexandria oh my gosh do you do you not acknowledge that the second chance act affects an awful lot of ex offenders many of whom are African American I think that giving folks a second chance is a good thing, and I, what I, I feel as though he ostracized the situation, and like In you said, way? the Second Chance Act helped folks of all, of all different colors, all different races, all different walks, and in this case, what they showed there was an opportunity to ostracize, trying to make it seem like he was helping black folks, and I disagree. He is not helping black people. You do not think he's helping black people. I do not. I do not think letting, our president by letting is creating a people culture out of, prison of who acceptance been improperly. in the community. You're, you're not acknowledging my question. Are you acknowledging that ever you're acknowledging and basically stating that that African Americans who've been released under the Second Chance Act, they're not important? Blacks are know they... that this is the guy who said there are good people on both sides of he that race. He was talking about the statue. This is the guy. Don't repeat Black that lie. Folks know oh what is gosh. in this guy's heart. They don't care. They don't care about the facts. You had to push that in, didn't you? I mean, just, you I just like pushing. I like pushing in the truth. I believe it's in the truth. It's not the truth. It's a lie. Go to the videotape. It's a lie. Go to the videotape. If you go to both, the videotape, you'll find out people that on both sides. that's not what he said. He was talking about people that that supported the Confederate flag on state property. That's exactly including the people right. with the hoods and the tiki torches. Oh. people in there as well, but that's not what he was talking about. But again, you know what? That's the message for the Democrats. Uh, certainly, we've that. heard tonight. Now that, you know uh, why I can't possibly no, vote for a Democrat. There's going to. <laughs> you've just you've you've said it again. Jeez. We've made you more of a Republican tonight, Mike. <laughs> Another vote for, Trump. vote for Trump. The I'd first like to bring time. up Bruce one. Dumont, we've got to say good night to Alexandra Eidenberg and to Michael Lieber, our Democrats. To our Republicans, uh, Mike Miller, and to Nick Com, our thanks to Hector Pacheco and Andrew Marshall and Fritz Goldman. I'm Bruce Dumont. Good night from Chicago. Do you worry about how much someone drinks? Do you feel angry or depressed most of the time? Do you feel neglected or unloved? Do you feel that if the drinker loved you, she or he would stop drinking? If you answered yes to any of these questions, you are not alone. Not everyone trapped by alcohol is an alcoholic. Families and friends are suffering, too. Al-Anon and Alateen can help. Call 1-866-200-0223 or visit alanon.org slash help. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned. I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. The economy is not working for everybody especially those in jobs where unscrupulous businesses keep wages lower by hiring millions of illegal workers. Those businesses could use the government's e-verify system to prevent illegal hiring, but they refuse. What's best for the country? Let businesses continue to hire illegal workers or require e-verify, raise wages, and recruit left-behind Americans? See what voters want at eVerifyWorks.com. 
Paid for by Numbers USA because numbers count. GTG, BRB, OMW, be there in a few. You may think that these kinds of texts are fine because of their length, and you can easily send them at a stoplight. But no, answering one text can take your attention away from the road for five seconds. And traveling at 55 miles an hour, that's enough time to travel the length of a football field. Make good decisions. Don't text and drive. Visit stoptextstoprex.org. A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Project Yellow Light, Noise, and the Ad Council. Chris Domine is a husband and a father. Chris is an athlete. Chris is even an Iron Man. But 10 years ago, Chris was facing a very different story because his kidneys were failing. Basically, the doctor said, if you don't get a kidney transplant and if you don't do dialysis, you, you are going to die. Fortunately, Chris received a second chance at life made possible by an organ donor. You know, your well-being changes from loss of hope to hope to better times ahead. More than 100 million people in America are registered organ, eye, and tissue donors, people of every age and ethnicity, because they believe it's the right thing to do. Imagine what you can make possible by leaving behind the gift of life. Learn more and sign up as an organ, eye, and tissue donor. Go to organdonor.gov. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. 